five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready Set Poem Podcast, your premier source for everything with the Overwatch League. I am Chris at Light Force, joined virtually by Sam at another Sam Chant, as well as Omni at Omni Strife. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello, hello. I'm, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see what this is all about because nobody's telling me anything. Well, I mean, Sam's here in like glasses, so like people can see us seeing him seeing us. It's a celebratory moment. Also, Omni's shirt is just way, way, way too bright. Well, he okay. Let, let's was even brighter, I think. Let's be honest. There was some conversation as to whether or not we'd see Omni in color this week. The way things have been going for the the Vancouver Titans. However, it's, we can see not only has he accepted color as his life, <laughs> but he has added some yeah, right, serious color to his shirt. Here's Sam and I. We're like you know low key dark colors except for whatever you know brightness is coming out of the sam's monitor right now and i'm here you can actually the, see the me seeing you seeing me see you yes total inception moment. total inception so moment. i can't even look away this whole time no <laughs> oh man it is hot right now uh good to see sam you've got a fan there to, to have the airflow <clears throat> i have none i'm currently going to go and melt in this this hot box what can i say my fans are always on me Oh my god. That's the podcast, folks. Thanks for tuning in. No, I mean that would be that would be a shame. I mean, we've been teasing since last week that there was news. I mean, heck, we titled last week's episode Classified. If you've been following along either on RSP Cord or on Twitter, our logo is suddenly classified. We even had podcast art that indicated the last episode was what? Classified. There's some crazy stuff going on. Any any guesses? I mean, Omni, you said you're already in the dark. You have to have an idea or a guess as to, to what this big news happens to be. Uh, it might have something to do with my shirt, or it might not. Okay. Is that why you wore the shirt you wore? You th- yeah, it's guessing? just the only one that wasn't smelly today, so. <laughs> yes. We're cleaning up the true by the end of the night. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, only one person commented on the stream uh, announcement to tweet that I sent from RSP. The last announcement had Overwatch generic colors. And someone's like, oh my God, are you going to be, you know, taking over the Overwatch League, becoming the podcast for all teams? And I'm like, totally. Each 10 hour episode is going to be phenomenal. But no, that's that's not what we're doing. I, you know what? There is a storm brewing, right? I mean, we've we've sort of hinted that as well. And I think this is probably uh, as epic of a storm as we might ever see in the summer. So you know what? Yeah, enough enough joking around. Let's uh, let's actually share the big news. Bring it on! I live for this. That is right. If you tuned in to our live streams. You now know that Ready, Set, Pwn is your premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant. That is right. We are a Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant podcast. If you're listening to this episode as you normally are doing, you missed out on an epic 
video, our own on Easter egg put together. So you'll need to ensure that you drop an RSP cord, go on to social. We're going to share this on, on Twitter on Wednesday um, and check it out. But for those of you watching the live stream, you may have noticed our updated logo is already live. We started to adjust colors and this is going to be a process that's going to happen over the course of the next probably week or so. Cause trust me, I've put RSP colors everywhere and I need to fix all this stuff. But most importantly is we've, iterated on a conversation that we kicked off at the end of last season. Uh, the three of us got together and sort of started wondering, what do we envision next year being? And we wanted to do some really big stuff. I mean, we were always going to be a Vancouver Titans podcast, and that's where our, our roots were, but we wanted to grow. We played around with the idea. Do we become a, a podcast focusing on, on the league in general, maybe with a, a Vancouver Titans segment, but everything else be much more expansive? Um, but as those who listen to this podcast know, I have had a soft spot uh, for the Toronto Defiant the entire time that this podcast has been around. I've had a soft spot for Overactive Media because, again, they, as an organization, have interacted with us and treated us extremely well. So it made sense that we maybe explored this idea of, of, of looking at the Defiant as a topic that we could go and introduce within the podcast. And, you know, one of the things that struck us is that our plan was to do this next year, but quite frankly, why wait? I mean, there are many, many, many fans out there, both the Toronto Defiant and the Vancouver Titans, and quite frankly, Overwatch in Canada needs to grow, and we think we can help make that happen. We can be part of the process. We can help drive this community to do some great things. You've seen us partner with uh, those from Defiant Court and Alpha Flight when we had our, our pugs where the RSP team got stomped. Let's do more of that. We as a community, a Canadian Overwatch community, can do phenomenal things. And you know what? RSP, we want to be there riding along uh, with you. But uh, gentlemen, Outside of, you know, Sam, who's probably completely in shock and why he's wearing glasses right now. Uh, what do you think of this uh, this news? There are two things that I think about right now with this announcement. I, uh, I'm i frankly concerned as may maybe the Light Force curse just gets worse from now on. <laughs> maybe, though, it's just another way for uh, Sam to come in and watch more Toronto-defined games. I'm not sure. I mean, honestly, we've been watching Defiant Games for a while. <laughs> how like how else do we come up with the material that we come up with, right? So, so I'm I'm a little worried that that uh, the pitchforks are going to come for me. They're going to come for me. They might come for Omni. They probably won't go to Light Force except for the curse bit. But um, we look forward to engaging with you. Yeah. And for those that are curious as to how this will work, uh, simply put, the payload has grown. We are now going to talk to two different teams, the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant. And, you know, for someone thinking, oh, you're going to play favorite, the Vancouver Titans are getting the focus. Not at all. The way we're going to approach the payload is chronological fashion. We're simply going to go based on the dates that they play. And if they happen to play each other, which is interesting because they do this weekend, we get to go and dive into the nitty gritty. You are going to see some phenomenal things and it is a great time to be a listener of the Ready, Set, Home podcast. Tell you what, guys, we'll do five minutes for round one by per team. Yeah. It's kind of scary having two payloads you can sit nine on. <laughs> <laughs> that is scary. And I think both the uh, teams that we're now covering could possibly pull that off, which is oh, yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> Super uh, but, fat payload. 
let's let's talk a little bit about what we're going to get into this episode. It is right. It is O Canada. Battle of Canada Part 3 is going to take place, but we're going to sort of recap the weekend that was for the Vancouver Titans as well as the Toronto Defiant. Uh, both organizations got a few things in the works. We'll talk a little bit about that before we dive into the fray to talk about the week that was, the week that will be, and look ahead to the Countdown Cup because it is possible that the Countdown Cup might kick off for one of these two teams. So, Without any further ado, let's uh, get ourselves into the payload. Moving the payload! Join me! Kicking the weekend off uh, of the two Canadian teams was the Vancouver Titans. And for those of you who happened to listen to the last episode of the podcast, you heard both myself and Omni suggest that the Vancouver Titans stood absolutely no chance against the Shock. And they stood absolutely no chance against the San Francisco Shock. This podcast will be longer than the match was. This podcast segment will be longer than the match was. My daughter <laughs> takes longer to read a book than that match was. I mean, the book itself is four pages long. I mean, it is, I'm not trying to rub it in, but maybe I am. It did not look good. And I was the pessimist of the two of us right on the, I mean, I sort of said, I, I don't, I don't see there being any form of winning condition. I just hope that they're able to go and show us signs of life. Yeah. Man, I rewatched the highlights, and I think they were longer than the actual match. I was just say, having the, well, you just you just the watched slide. the match, right? Like, yeah, like it. It's probably our second worst game ever, and I think that our uh, game last year, losing 0-4 to Washington, was worse just because of the expectations. But this was horrible. Definitely the worst this year so far. You know, I look at the Vancouver Titans going up against the San Francisco Shock. The Shock are just a deep team. They essentially were playing with their food throughout. The Vancouver Titans just couldn't string anything together. The, the Dalton-Genji experiment is in full swing. They have now lost nine straight maps, and I believe the Dalton-Genji experiment has been in effect for, what, seven of those nine maps? Not looking good, no. It, it, it behooves me that that's the route they were going. And what makes it even crazier is you also had a shockwave tracer. So this past weekend, the Dalton Genji was superior than a shockwave Genji based on the equation that a Dalton tracer is not too bad, but apparently a shockwave tracer is the, the better choice to be made. And, you know, I get it. Like there are those that are saying from a meta perspective, you just got to go with it, whether you're good at it or not, there's no other alternative. I don't understand that. We talked about this last season when teams, were, which were obviously unable to play goats, simply accepted that goats was the only way. Try something else. If you're not going to win playing goats, then at least lose trying to yeah. find an answer or do something different. Don't simply roll over and say game over. And I'm not, I'm not upset at the players. To make that very clear, the Vancouver Titans players themselves are are being given a game plan that they're they're trying to execute on, and it's just not going well. And at some point in time, you have to sort of sort of say uncle. And unfortunately, that wasn't against the San Francisco Shock. Um, so it is what it is. Super came in, uh, looked like a top-tier Genji. <laughs> uncle so, Super. You know, is what it is. I was hoping that Twilight was going to get Genji. He probably, unfortunately, could have beaten the Vancouver Titans as mm. Genji. Like. There was, yeah, there were a lot of things to do wince at. In this game, like Shredlock was shredded constantly. <laughs> Dalton wasn't great to say the least, like you said. 
Karkar, he had some health issues, I think, that were still in full effect. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a quick moment. Yeah, uh, but you know what? Shockwave on the Tracer wasn't horrible. Definitely not the worst part of the match. He did get, like, picks. You would see constantly the, the, the when, when uh, battle started, the kill feed was entirely just, you know, San Francisco Shock killing us. But there was always, like, a pick or two from Shockwave for some reason. Kese were also uh for Kese and Rulf were also not that bad. On the shock though, man, they came to eat Smurf and Striker especially. They were having like mm. a field day that the the coordination between a tracer as good as as uh you know striker was on this match and Smurf, it was nuts. They just did whatever the, the hell they wanted. Yeah. The the thing about sh- sort of Shockwave getting picks, I'm not saying Shockwave wasn't a good tracer. But yeah. arguably, Dalton as Genji and Shockwave as Tracer, Ash, Echo, fill in the blank. Yeah, it, we have yet to see it work. Like they're they're two disparate you know DPS players that play well when they complement each other, not simply are two you know random heroes on the map. It, like the best way I can describe it as to how it looks, it's like a quick play match where my two DPS aren't even in comms. One's, you know, a, a flanking Torb and the other one is a widow hanging out at spawn. Like there's right. no synergy there. And that's again, not, that wasn't going to change in any event for Titans. We're going to lose to the San Francisco shock there. Right. They are, you know, a chasm of depth between the two right now. Um, but yeah. it is just the fact that it just continued to be the, the same, same group of hero picks rolled out. Yeah. Just, was the most frustrating part. I mean, first map wasn't that horrible. I mean, they started out with that Moira Lucio pick that I didn't really get why. And, and uh, Troy wasn't the Troy we are used to. And Tayo didn't really was uh, didn't really uh, impress me that much at the first maps. It was fine, but it was like the second map. I think it was Kings Row where Smurf actually, you know, uh, uh, justified his namesake. He started smurfing on us, and then that was pretty pretty bad. They actually went for the the, the farmers on the. On Did the it farm feel first. like oh. they were playing with Smurf accounts? Like like if you're gold, and like these guys are like plat or diamond, they're just popping in a gold yeah. game. That that's it, it. Felt like they were Smurfing. Yeah. Like that's like at the end of the day, like I tried not to to overanalyze this game just because I think we could have had seven Genjis out there and lost. Yeah, like it's it's. Well, we, if we know. had seven Genjis out there, we would have we lost. We definitely would have lost. The would have lost. Yeah. So that but, would have been but like, I don't know. I I kind of wanted to see something, maybe maybe lesser than, than Chris, but I wanted to see something different. But my idea of different is is like, I'm wondering what Suna's up to. Like, what, what has he been doing this whole time? Yeah. And I don't mean that in like a derogatory way. I just mean like, what is what are we using him for? What is he practicing? How does he get into scrims when he's the seventh man on a well, six-man team? I, um, the problem I think is they have they have three you know DPS players that have arguably the same hero pool. A lot. So of if like like if Suna comes in, who do you take him out for? Like at this point, it would be coming in as a Genji, would it not? So here's my crazy suggestion: is okay. that he actually comes in and plays Zarya because he's also a. I don't know if it was from the from the goats days. He was the Zarya player, so. To me, KSA was, well, it's, it's not really fair because we're comparing to probably the best off tank in the world. Um, but he was constantly behind. And it was clear from my eyes that that Sigma, Diva, those are his comfort picks. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how KSA's Zarya compares to Suna's, but like honestly, how much worse could we lose? <laughs> right? Give the guy some playing time. Like, let's see, let's, you know, keep keep his spirits up or something. So, like, I, I would have liked to see something like that. I'm not too concerned about, about comps. Like, I thought it was a little bit strange. I started with the 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 Moira Lucio um, in the very first map. But, you know, it's if we went mirror the rest of the time and it yeah. wasn't 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 a huge diff. The, the, the Suna comment is actually a pretty good uh, um, idea. Like, I, 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 there is a point I want to get to, but after only we we discuss the second map that we're, we're the second uh, game we're going to cover, and but I'll just bring it up really quickly. I think there is a viability to play Sombra a little bit more right now, and maybe that's the thing we need. But but uh, Suna still has that uh, ping issue. But in this match that we just witnessed, I think the entire Titans had a ping issue emotionally. Like they yeah. their hearts were not into it. They just gave it up. You could see, like, even uh, um, Shockwave, I believe, he recalled, and he was just saying hi there all the time. And it's like, uh, they, they had no heart. They they could even, like, leave the game halfway, but they probably didn't want to lose that SR, you know? Need that surrender button. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a in tough In StarCraft, game. you have that, right? You type in GG, even if the map is not uh, settled yet. Yeah. We could have opted for it after King's Row, I believe. The, the last map was just... Yeah, and, and, and I mean, they're... like, it's it's really hard for these guys because because they came off a tough week where right. where I w- I was in the show last week, but basically it was just, it was one for to forget, right? Sometimes you have bad weeks, but when you follow up a bad week playing with my opinion, still the best team in the world, um, what what are you gonna do? <laughs> so yeah. so I don't, I don't know if there's lessons to be taken away from here. I think the depth of the shock as an organization is. It's just scary how they're always on the lookout for for what they're missing. Like, oh, we don't we don't have a, a focused Genji player. Let's go out and pick up another right. tier two guy. Like, you know, Tayo's not, in my opinion, he's not going to be like an all world all star, but but he can grow with this team. He can get better, and he's given opportunity to do so. Right. So, and it was the same with Twilight. They foresaw like the the whole Brig, Brig, uh, Bap, Anna, mm-hmm. Zen. You know, this kind of off off support weird meta coming so they're like oh we got to fill that hole um so so they they just seem to be like to to kind of quote the warriors they're just they're just like light years ahead of everybody else it feels like um in terms of preparation and how they they game plan not to say they're going to win every game it's just yeah it's just you can see where what they're trying to do and how they're trying to fill every hole yeah, they came in poised. They they did want to finish quickly, I guess, kind of like Vancouver, <laughs> but from from a different reason. And uh, we played, we we lo- lost 0-3 to Paris as well. And I don't think Paris is a worse team than San Francisco Shock is right now. And I don't think that this uh, particular game really reflects the true uh, level of the Titans. Now, by no means do I uh, say the next time we face them, we we not we avoid the 3-0. But I, definitely, the fight was not there. Uh, and, and I don't think it was uh, reflective of, of how much the, fight the craziest part is this was the fastest Overwatch game in history, and it felt like eternity for me to watch. That. <laughs> well, so it is. Yeah, it set the record by like three minutes. Now there's this talk like, could this ever be beaten? Um, it's possible that it could be beaten, but it, it requires a perfect storm. Uh, the fact that the way the teams matched up and who got to start on you know, on a, on a hybrid and, and what have you, the Vancouver Titans got full held and yeah, quickest match in history felt like eternity, but it is what it is. Uh, before we go and talk a little bit about the defiant match against the fusion, uh, one note car car as Omni had alluded to suggested last week on Twitter that he had lost his sense of smell and his uh, sense of taste, 
which if you're aware of is potentially a symptom of someone who is impacted by COVID-19 uh, or the current right. coronavirus. So this obviously raised some concern. Um, it's odd that a player would go and sort of publicly suggest this, and this might be more on the PR side of things. Um, but all that we got back when he was asked, how are you feeling, was he was okay. Hopefully it isn't actually what we think it is. Um, we don't know what kind of testing might have happened, if any at all, um, outside of the fact that it is obviously a possibility and that someone, you know, does get this. And as a result, the impact on any team um, will be significant, uh, including one known as the Vancouver Titans, who have a very, very thin roster should a, a player yeah. not be fit to play. Can Suna play Brig? As well as he plays Sombra. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the Defiant match against the Fusion. The Defiant, spoiler alert, lost 3-0. But this 3-0 wasn't as brutal as the Titans lost to the Shock. The Defiant showed... <laughs> okay, the Defiant showed signs of life on Nepal. Like it, it actually felt like the Defiant had shown up to play... Right. And then suddenly we started to see some weird things. Like I think it was a, like a, an agility's blade that was extremely questionable. It was almost, it almost again, felt like that panic cue. Um, we saw Curve drop a window that was kind of weird. Like his entire team is off, you know, fighting um, elsewhere. And he pops sort of a solo window to maybe scare people away from the point, but the fusion then took it. And then from there, the Philadelphia fusion were were handily in charge like the the toronto defiant uh, were playing dive against a very good dive team yeah. and that mere match you know did not seem to work um they were they were trying to group up they were trying to to deal with what they were seeing from the fusion like on numbani the fusion were out with the mercy um and you know reses were happening where they shouldn't like it mm -hmm. just things weren't going well but again, to me, the Toronto Defiant showed that they had potential. There are some things that I am curious about, like why we saw the the transition of Logics back into the lineup over uh, someone like Surefour, especially when we saw the the fact you know Surefour Agility's combination work well. I understand you know meta might dictate the the change because of heroes, but that part I'm curious about. Uh, we also saw uh, Numlock come back in uh, over. Uh, beast again i'm not saying that that was a, a questionable pick I, but there are things that i i question considering you know the week before didn't look too bad so i mean any any thoughts on the, on the match uh, from either of you i have quite a few uh, actually when we when we like only considered uh following two teams i thought it might be a challenge or like oh the perspectives might be different but actually there are so There's many so things that are frustratingly mm. common especially the 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 frustrating stagnation and lack of adaptability and um looking at this map you said that mm, it, while it was different and less maybe embarrassing or, or speed running than it was against uh, they won a round uh, right so you gotta give them credit for that yeah but at no point was it ever in doubt that Diffusion is going to take this uh, entire game. And and when the game started, there was no EQO. So that was already a weird uh, sign. And mm -hmm. Gisu came in and he had a Reaper. Surprisingly effective, though. Uh, and Logix was on his McCree and Agility is on his Genji. And you already said about uh, uh, 
uh, agilities, he always had this, uh, even going back to 2017, 18 agilities, when, when you compare him to the other, uh, who were the best Genjis back then, Shatterburn and, and, and uh, Shatter2K, he was always the guy who would use Blade no matter the cost. Like, you have Ana, you don't have Ana, you... He just used it on on uh, freaking uh, you know uh, once he had the the queue uh, available he'd just press it and when you don't have an Ana it's kind of a problem and and uh, I didn't really like how they approached uh, Nepal when when Carpe was just on point in this game as well he had a great uh, showing on Tracer I didn't really like the McCree now with with the the buff that Tracer got this year. She can keep her distance from McCree. You can't really flashbang her as easily as you could before. And the flashbang mm -hmm. is so short right now. So it didn't really work. Second map is when things started to go even worse for Toronto. Uh, tables were turned. Uh, Fusion went a bit more divey than Defiant, even though, uh, like previous map, they were less divey. They were more death volley with the Reaper pick. And they had the, the Reinhardt before. And it started better for Toronto. They went like, uh, they, they, they took the first map. But the third map, I believe it was the Shrine map, or what do you call the one? I think Sanctum, where you can be booped off, right? Yeah. So they went for this crazy Sigma Rhine, like double shield. And what do you place behind those uh, double shields? You place an Ash and McCree. And they're so shielded and well protected, you can't really do anything with the Genji and McCree. Maybe a Nano Blade? Oh, wait, there's no Nano. So what do you do? Those blades are really, really uh, uh, dull. So that brings us to Numbani, where uh, uh, I, I saw a really, really, really nice approach from Diffusion that I really want to talk about when we preview uh, the match we have against... Uh, we, oh, man, wait. We have against ourselves, really. I need to uh, rephrase this from now on. But they had a really nice approach with the Sombra uh, uh, um, Tracer. Tracer. Yeah, a very harassy little dive uh, approach. And it was also very effective. And there were so many staggers and staggers. Uh, yeah, and, and once the, that EMP came out, you can't really do anything. Yeah, I think I think the parallels are definitely there. Like I think in both cases with the Defiant and the Titans, they both tried to force this this Genji meta, which which seems to be common. But as we saw from the Fusion, they had two different looks that had no Genji, and it's not like the Fusion didn't have a didn't have a Genji waiting for them. They have EQO just kind of sitting there, right? Yeah. So so it was. In that sense, I think we have to applaud the fusion for for trying not just one, but at least two or three different looks. Yeah. Um, and like, I liked the Reaper um, Tracer. I, I I think the Sombra was effective because <laughs> Agilities tried to just get blade after blade after blade, and, and they kind of just played yeah. into their hand. Um, I'm not so sure that would work if whether it was the Titans using it or we put Sure Four on a on a Sombra. Like, I'm I'm not convinced that they have the they have the tank line to kind of support them. Um, to kind of go all in with with one DPS alt, yeah. Um, and I think and I think that's the other frustrating part is is like in in both cases with the Defiant and the the Titans, like their their tanks just got shredded. Yeah. Um, it was just time and time again, focus fire, slow but, alt built. Yeah, sorry for cutting you off, but yeah. that really goes back to that Lucio Moira pick that we also saw Defiant mm. play. People, I, I hope they're not forgetting, especially at this level, but the Zen Discord orb got that significant buff. And if you focus fire, which I hope that all like uh, all teams can do, those tanks are getting are deleted instantly. And, and, mm -hmm. and the Zen being a Zen himself, right? He puts out so much damage. And when you have so many like good flex uh, uh, um, supports, Alarm was, was massive on, on mm -hmm. that map. And the Zen Brig will always win against Lucio Moira. 
right. Uh, uh, the games weren't really close, but I do feel like Shore 4 uh, and let's say uh, Logics can probably counter, uh, uh, put up a good duo on, on the Sombra Tracer duo. And, and uh, That's true. But there was, one, there was one thing that I didn't want to comment on. Funny Astro's Brig is really, really good. It's like a top three Brig. Every time I watch their games, he's like popping off. He's kind of like a Haxel or, or Rascal. You can see that even with that dumb like, oh, Mace to the face. <laughs> he's like a tier above that. He, he doesn't he even like playing Brig. Gets, yeah, he gets, he gets the character on another level. So uh, maybe that was another uh, part that really... Uh, uh, was a big uh, crutch in in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so I think I think for Toronto, like they'll they'll feel good about having their Anna back. Yeah. Um. And and that will make their their Genji a bit more effective or much. Yeah. A lot of it. A lot of it. I think is was just like falling in love with the Genji that suddenly made them a better team. Oh, we mm. we can play Overwatch uh, again and, and really well. And they fell in love with it so much they forgot that Genji without Nano is not that good. I will pause that to say. I feel Agilities provides, you know, a better Genji off the bench than an equivalent out of Vancouver Titans with Dalton. Like the <laughs> Dalton Genji experiment is not working. Oh, yeah. Whereas with Agilities, you know, there's, there's, there's opportunity to be had there. It's just that at one point in, in Defiant Chord, uh, while we're watching a match, I commented that I was seeing, you know, the, the Defiant pull, uh, you know, a Titans. And what I meant by that in, in, in describing it to like a verb is that the, the use of alts, in a panic situation, uh, questionable windows. Like how often have we seen a questionable window to someone like Karkar with the Vancouver Titans? Like it, it's, it's occurred far too frequently and it just felt like everyone suddenly decided to try to put the team on their individual shoulders without really, you know, Korea was probably trying down. to clutch up. He's trying to turn his BAP into a soldier. Maybe. <laughs> uh, anywho, uh, the defiant did lose three Oh, so that sets up the fact that the Battle of Canada Part 3 takes place Saturday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. And that's presuming the match previous doesn't go a mile a second. Uh, if you were looking for appointment viewing this past weekend, the Vancouver Titans ensured that the day was already askew, and then subsequent matches ensured the rest of the day was, was out of sync. So we're going to hope that this weekend's even better because it would be horrible if either you as a Vancouver Titans or Toronto Defiant fan missed this match. So Battle of Canada Part 3. I, I talk about it Part 3. It's really, what, Part 4 if we include last year, but it's Part 3 for this season. The Toronto Defiant won Round 1, 3-2. They won Round 2, 3-0. Round 3. I have to give it to the Defiant straight up. I mean, we haven't really talked about the match itself and, and the setup of, you know, what the meta might be, the fact that no hero pool are in effect. But I look at the Toronto roster. They have a lot more depth. They have a lot of different sort of options that are available to them that the Vancouver Titans do not. And the Vancouver Titans have yet to figure out how to, to play this Genji meta that they're, they're wanting to, to use. I mean, if that's what they roll out, it's easily going to be a 3-0 for the Defiant. Yeah. The Defiant is just that much better. Put Kuriv on onto the, the Ana again. Have Agilities go and Nanoblade the, the hell out of the Titans. That's going to be the way things are. Am I, am I wrong here? Like, is there a winning condition for the Vancouver Titans uh, outside of surprise? Because I, I, I don't see it. When we did the notes uh, for this... Um, 
for the show, I did ask you about hero pools. And when you told me that there were no hero pools for this upcoming week, I'm like, <laughs> okay, busted nanoblades are back on the plate. So uh, it's it's not good for the Titans. Um, they do seem to have the advantage in such a meta that I think will still be Genji-centric. If we do want to get a chance, if we mirror them, it's game over. I do feel like they should really watch closely that uh, fusion uh, um, match and maybe bring out the Sombra uh, Tracer. I believe we do have the tools to do that. And I don't think the the Defiant really know how to counter that well. But if you are the Defiant, just stick to the Nanoblade. I, I feel like uh, they or the Defiant have the uh, upper hand in this map. In this match, yeah, I think, I think I would agree with you. Except I'm contractually obligated to say it's going to be three O <laughs> Titans. Um, yeah, just because just because our our podcast changes doesn't mean I have to change my predictions, right? <laughs> but but I mean the the win condition for for the defined is very very simple. It's it's you know if we if they can load up, um, you know the Genji and then get a lot of kills off that. I think in argument's sake for the for the Titan side. The Titans have not been bad at controlling a nanobladed Genji. I mean, comparatively no. speaking, right. we, we talked about that not the last Paris game, but the Paris game before that. Um, they they actually come away okay, you know, comparatively speaking, just because I saw the blade kill so many teams, just team fight after team fight throughout that league that week. Um, so so that that makes it kind of interesting to me if they can counter that or or just frankly not die as much like you know you lose two you lose yeah. three um i think that makes it very very interesting because my belief is the titans actually have a a stronger tank line um i yeah. feel i feel like their ta- the the defined mm. tank line is quite shaky um i know that's going to be debatable and you know people are going to go up in flames now um but i they give me very little confidence even if i was trying to support the defined I completely agree, and that connects. You actually uh, made me realize something that when when we are uh, looking at a hero pool less, um, you know, a meta, and and the reason why we were able to do so well against that nano uh, blade was actually uh, our combo of uh, Arissa and Sigma, which I think brings up uh, Vancouver to another level when we get to play that. I think KSA's uh, Sigma and Shredlock's. Uh, um, Arissa are really, really good, really good, especially for the level that you know we are uh, normally uh, placed. So maybe that's uh, I, I do. I agree with you that uh, just playing uh, this composition or or no hero pools on the Sigma and Arissa, we are, we definitely have the better tank line uh, than than Toronto. Or or if, if we, I'm I'm talking out of uh, of Toronto's perspective. Yep. Maybe the tanks are on the same level or maybe better. But just on that Orisa Sigma, I am uh, confident that the Titans can So it kind of up- depends, I think, this game. Who wants to control which? Are they going to mirror? Are they going to try and follow? Um, are they going to try and lead and stick to, say, like an Orisa Sigma where the other team's trying to play dive? Like, I think those are kind of like the interesting battles yeah. between the battles. Will we see a May? Will they come out? Um <laughs> Oh, it all could come down to some team just mentally booming because that's all. <laughs> okay. So the win condition that I feel the Vancouver Titans have available is Toronto, you know, getting thrown mentally. That's really the only way I could see the Vancouver Titans capitalizing and taking the win. But back to the the point of, of Toronto's tank line, like I'll, I will concede an Arissa Sigma. I think the edge goes to Vancouver, but I feel the combination of Numlocked and Beast give the Toronto Defiant more options than what the Titans get out of Shredlock. Um, 
you know, yeah, Shredlock's maybe got the superior Orisa. But that's it. Um, mm -hmm. KSA, uh, you know, I, I, the, the hard part for me is I think everyone would agree KSA as an off tank is a very strong player, but he's playing on a million ping. Nevix is not right. Like there's there. And so for me, I don't see Toronto as, as losing that tank battle, you know, straight up. If the Titans get it, they get it by an inch, uh, on the DPS side, current meta, I don't think the Vancouver Titans deal well. Even if they're able to go and, and mitigate the impact of a Nanoblade, they don't have, by playing that Nanoblade themselves, an immediate means to go and, and capitalize. Yeah. But on the support line, Toronto is clearly ahead of the Titans here. I really want to see the Ash back too. What, like Ash Genji? I prefer Ash, Ash Tracer if Ash that's what the Vancouver Tracer. Titans yeah. are going to play, right? Um but then, you know, we, we, it's very hard for, for us to sort of evaluate this. We, we don't know what Vancouver is going to do. They have played three straight matches where they have trotted out an experiment that has failed. And yep. there is no indication that's going to suggest they're not going to go and try it again, going against the Toronto Defiant. If they trot the same experiment out, uh, roll that one over Toronto Defiant, get the win. Yeah. So predictions, Sam, you already said three Oh for the Titans. Yeah. This is going to be a tough season for me <laughs> uh, Omni I'm going to the 3-2 for the Defiant see and I'm 3-1 for the Defiant no, no, no 3-0s that's the trend though no. well I, I feel that the lack of hero pool gives the Titans some ability to go and yeah. dictate a map but but yeah I, I mean this, this I, is the Defiance match to lose I can't account for mental booming, so I won't. <laughs> Come on, be bold. Now, one final note. If the Vancouver Titans were to lose, if Omni and myself are correct, the Vancouver Titans are then guaranteed to finish no higher than... Yeah, no higher than 12th. Sorry, I was just doing the quick math here. So that means that they will be in the Sunday evening play-in, which should be against the Boston Uprising. I, I don't see how... So why I'm sort of looking at this, doing the math in my head, Houston and are currently sitting 0-2. Uh, the Boston Uprising are 0-4, Titans are 0-3. So there you have, you know, three teams without a win. The Boston Uprising is sitting in of a dash 10 right now. So if the Vancouver Titans were to lose by more than two maps, they finish 13th, they play the Boston Uprising. No way around that. The Vancouver Titans lose close. They're still... You're not able to go and get past the Houston Outlaws. If they were to lose, they finished 12. So the Vancouver Titans' only ability to not play on Sunday guaranteed is to win. But even then, if they were to win and the Toronto Defiant were to lose, they have a bunch of teams at one and three. I mean, it, it could be a mess. And I don't know how the tiebreakers will all work because you could conceivably have a whole ton of teams at one and three to determine, you know, who's going to finish anywhere from, what it be, about sixth to, or sorry, seventh through to 12th, like, it could still be the Titans. I mean, map differential is currently not on the Vancouver Titans side. So they're, you know, playing with at best a negative six, and that would be a 3-0 sweep on the Defiant, which I, I don't see happening. <laughs> so if you're a Vancouver Titans fan, you might be watching the Vancouver Titans play again on Sunday. If you're a Toronto Defiant fan, I can't tell you where they'll play. If they win, they could finish as high as third. If they lose, uh, they could finish as low as 12th. It's the crazy way that the Countdown uh, Cup happens to be. 
A few other things before we go into the fray. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention to social, you missed the fact that the Toronto Defiant are handing out the, the essentially the player's family are getting swag, like shirts and that say Defiant Mom, Defiant Dad. And we've talked about this in previous episodes, but what the Toronto Defiant do to really create themselves a community and, and embrace their players sort of organizationally is 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 quite cool. Um, it's unfortunate that that sort of embrace has not been translating into the success over the course of the season that the organization has probably wanted to have. But they're going about things the right way, which in contrast to what we've seen from the Vancouver Titans is light years ahead. Like I, I could not tell you what the Vancouver Titans are really doing for their players. Like yeah. we know that they've provided them jerseys. We know that they've received Logitech gear. Um, obviously, the players are playing, you know, in a variety of different locations. I don't fault necessarily the organization for that. I mean, they're the ones, unfortunately, that made the decision, but they're not able to bring the players together for, for pandemic related reasons. But there's much more that they could be doing to, you know, foster and create this community, embrace family. Like we talked about this sort of an RSP core. Look at the Boston Uprising. The Boston Uprising have someone like Punk's dad who not only goes and, you know, engages with fans on Twitter, he jumps into the weekly Uprising Discord, the weekly Uprising is podcast. I mean, he's having like conversations with like, hey, man, okay, like here's what I see. This is Punk's dad having some serious conversations. It's cool. I mean, you have to cater to the parents, right? These are kids we're talking about. Can you imagine, like, your star DPS's uh, video game privileges being taken away <laughs> over the weekend? Maybe that's what's happened to Suna, is that the parents <laughs> got a little cheesed or something like that. Maybe. Yeah. Harsh. Maybe. Been timed out. Anyhow, uh, if you're curious what the, the swag looks like, uh, Toronto Defiance Twitter accounts where it's all at and then in, uh, in Vancouver the Vancouver Titans have the partnership with Circle K as we already know last week we shared how they released a cup with uh, Jesse who's uh, one of the moderators in RSP Cord now uh, her phenomenal design this week Rolf has come out and they're also doing this uh, promo where you can play rock paper scissors with uh, Vancouver Titans players so far it's only Rolf and Shredlock and I can assure you Rolf cheats Every time I, I play Rolf, like he'll we, be we throwing rock and suddenly paper shows up. Let me tell you, that's that's dirty Rochambeau. <laughs> so we're going to take ourselves a quick break here before we dive into the fray. So kicking off the fray is the week that was. So let's start off by telling everyone that the Atlanta Reign beat the Boston Uprising 3-1 on Friday, followed by the San Francisco Shock beating the Florida Mayhem 3-1. On Saturday in the wee hours of the morning, the Chengdu Hunters of all teams beat the Seoul Dynasty 3-2, the Shanghai Dragons beat the London Spitfire 3-2, and the New York Excelsior beat the Guangzhou Charge 3-0. On Okay, on Saturday still. Sorry, Omni, your notes threw me off. You have extra Sundays I'm here. I'm sorry. I, I used all my mental capacity <laughs> to create that awesome video. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> Vancouver Titans, as we know, already lost to the San Francisco Shock. The Florida Man beat the Washington Justice 3-0. The Dallas Fuel beat the Boston Uprising 3-1. And the Philadelphia Fusion squeaked by the LA Gladiators in the mad match of the week 3-2. 
Sunday wee hours, we had the Chengdu Hunters beat the Hangzhou Spark 3-0. Again, Chengdu, let's talk about that in a moment. Uh, Shanghai Giants beat the Seoul Dynasty 3-0. The Paris Eternal beat the LA Gladiators 3-0. The Philadelphia Fusion beat the Toronto Defiant 3-0. And the Washington Justice beat the Houston Outlaws 3-1. So looking back at the weekend, I mean, Omni, you and I had suggested the match to watch was the Toronto Defiant Philadelphia Fusion match uh, for a number of reasons. One, that we felt was going to be more entertaining than it ultimately was. Two, we knew we were going to be watching it because, again, this transition in the podcast this week was something the two of us actually knew. And three, there really wasn't a lot of other compelling matches to sort of suggest people pay attention to. So why not? Well, I don't think anyone in their mind would have suggested the Chengdu Hunters would have figured out that Aming is meta and whatever he does means they win. Like, they are looking like a top-tier team, having not been there last yeah. month. Like, I, I, I don't know That's how to... That's the most Chengdu thing ever, though. Like, it's, it's, yep. it's like... And, you know, like the hero pool the last few weeks, it's not like that's been chaos. But no. Chengdu is like, <laughs> hold my beer. And it's hard to explain. Mystery heroes meta. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they should, they should really enjoy these last, this week, maybe next week. Because I feel like three months from now, none of us will remember this. Who? Yeah. What? <laughs> And I mean, both of their matches were against uh, Hangzhou and Seoul, and and both teams are not looking sharp. Well, especially, you never know what you're going to get with Seoul. I'm, I know that they're going to be mediocre or below. Well, okay, <laughs> but, but okay, so, so one day Seoul will look like, oh, okay, I think they're going, they're trending upwards, and then the following week they're like, okay, yeah, that was an, that was yeah. a mirage. Like it's sandbagging the regular season, waiting for playoffs, maybe. Maybe it maybe. is so reverse, well, reverse they, NYXL. They do have the the soul, no pun intended, um, <laughs> of the the first season London Spitfire. So sporadic, mm-hmm. unpredictable, frustrating. When you count them out, they're back in. When you count Roll. them in, they're always out. Roll into the meta just as the playoffs show up, and yeah, so it's, it's impossible to predict. And slimes your playoff MVP. Um, the other match, the crazy one, was the Philly Fusion LA Gladiators match. Uh, Fusion squeaked this oh. one out three two. Oh my god! Um, Gladiators. <laughs> so this one, where it was, it was mad for a number of reasons. One, it should have started two and a half hours prior to. It did, but then technically, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't know if someone like, you know, forgot to pay their bill, but it was bad. It was not bad. It was mad. Mm. Yeah, is what it is. So let's talk a little bit about the week that will be. So kicking off the weekend is the Dallas Fuel at the Philadelphia Fusion at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, followed by the LA Valiant and the Houston Outlaws. On the weekend, we hours in the morning, 1 a.m. Pacific or 4 a.m. Eastern, the Seoul uh, Dynasty will take on the Guangzhou Charge, followed by the London Spitfire and the Hangzhou Spark, and then the New York Excelsior taking on the Shanghai Dragons. Fast forward to noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Paris Eternal, Washington Justice set up. There are the pre-card to the Toronto Defiant Vancouver Titans Battle of Canada at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, followed by the Houston Outlaws versus the San Francisco Shock. 
And then on Sunday at 12 noon Pacific or 3 p.m. Eastern is the Dallas Shield versus the Atlanta Reign, the LA Gladiators versus the Florida Mayhem, the Philadelphia Fusion versus the uh, Los Angeles Valiant, and at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, it is the Boston Uprising versus someone. As we talked about in the payload, probably Vancouver, but if Vancouver were to somehow figure out how to beat the Toronto Defiant, it could be anyone from the Toronto Defiant to who knows what. So it is crazy, crazy times. Uh, the matches over the course of Sunday will actually have a lot to, to say about it. It could be the Houston Outlaws, for instance. Um, they might, you know, be there. I mean, there's there's so many options depending on how the, the final standings all work out. Now, as far as matches to watch, obviously we've already suggested that everyone needs to go and watch the Vancouver Titans Toronto Defiant match for obvious reasons. It is the Battle of Canada. Omni and I suggested you could also maybe uh, get up way early or stay up way late, however, which way works for you, and watch the New York Excelsior take on the Shanghai Dragons. Uh, I picked it because I actually feel these are the top two tier uh, top tier teams in Asia. That's no disrespect intended to the Chengdu Hunters, who apparently are a top tier team now. So uh, top, they get the week off. Yeah, like it. it and I, I mean, again, I'm looking at other matches. Yeah. It, you know, if Houston were to lose on, on the Friday, maybe I have more interest in what happens against the San Francisco shock, which is, I think a guaranteed loss. I mean, but that only works in the way of the Toronto defiant. And that's presuming the Titans were like, I mean, I might choose the match I want to watch based on the results of the day. And uh, you must watch some more dragons games because they're almost done with their regular season matches. So well, not much left. Yeah, there's the Countdown Cup, and then uh, which is next week, which will include some teams. Uh, it won't include one team from North America who'll get the weekend off, and then uh, was it two more weeks, and then we start getting into the playoffs, which again may include some teams and not others. It's amazing that at the start of the season we had home stands, all sorts of crazy stuff going on, and now we are you know standing at home, as is everyone else. Uh, 2020 what a wonderful year yeah. yeah like i when i was actually trying to watch the replay of the the defiant and the fusion match i accidentally clicked on one of the, like i think it was like the third game of the season or something and mm-hmm. then they were there in season and that felt like so foreign to me like they were wearing their jerseys like Cruz had just shown up or not is it Kellex? no it wasn't even Cruz. it was kellex who <laughs> actually has no Since longer retired, retired right well, he's just, retired and now he's unretired it he's felt like i was watching roster. like former history or something like that it felt so weird and i realized it's only like you know six months ago five months ago maybe yeah it's been a strange year man quite yeah. uh, you know looking back at the year it has definitely been a strange year it'll be interesting to see obviously how things go into 2021 but at least we know we have some you know high level overwatch action to watch and i love the fact that hero pools aren't in play and we've talked about this in previous episodes. This week will be much more enjoyable for me. Yeah, it might still result in a bunch of three O's. And I think that has to do with the sort of the chasm that is the tier of talent in, in the Overwatch League. There are ways to, to help remedy that. One of the thoughts that we had was loser picks throughout the season, not just for for tourneys and playoffs. Um, you know, there are creative ways. Hero pools, if they're going to use them, they need to change. And as we know, that will occur at some point. What will be real crazy is is again if hero pools come back in for the final two weeks of the season what heroes are they going to block out because then that you know dictates the level of ability for the uh, teams themselves to deal with the genji nerf which 
<laughs> Why don't we talk about now? Happened and didn't. Uh, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but actually this sort of brings to attention. So if you happen to go and update to Overwatch today, a patch rolled out. It nerfed Genji. Moments later, the patch unrolled itself, and the Genji nerf has gone away. And You, you might say the patch got deflected. Hey. Yeah. Hey. You're here all week. Tip your server. <laughs> Obviously, something went wrong. I, I was trying to follow on social. I, I sort of perused Reddit. I, I jumped through the Overwatch uh, forums. No one seemed to like claim that the game was broken with the patch, like some crazy, you know, echo buff that suddenly made her laser like a thousand miles long and insta death. Like, obviously, there was a problem, and uh, what was rolled out got rolled back. It could come back as soon as when this podcast goes live. It could come back next week. We don't know. It's just Blizzard has said, yeah, sorry, it'll come out soon. So, mm. hmm. um, but let's talk a little about some movement within the Overwatch League. Uh, S&T has no longer the assistant coach for the London Spitfire. He has stepped down. Uh, interesting shift sort of this late in the season. So is sort of what that is. Not entirely sure if that's just a team looking to go and make adjustments going into next year. But, you know, it is a crazier. And then you have uh, in, in Chengdu <laughs> a co-coach in, in, in Dokkei Pi who is stepping down and uh, Chen, who is now head coach, completely taking over. Uh, for how the Hunters have been playing recently, again, interesting. But then we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe this transition right. was already in the works. Maybe there's an opportunity. Um, but that is an uh, adjustment that's taking place. And then a very unique situation. The San Francisco Shock announced that they had both fined and suspended Violet for one game. And the reason that uh, Violet was suspended for one game was some toxicity that was shared on social media, uh, where he essentially um, said some pretty foul things to a fellow teammate and then told them to go and do something to themselves that included self-harm. A couple thoughts. One... We've talked about this in previous episodes. Just because toxicity exists in the game today doesn't mean it needs to. I'm not a big fan of this. It, just because, oh, it's good, it's entertaining. No, it's not. It, it's one thing to go in and, and you know, talk about the gameplay. But whether you're joking or not, telling someone to, uh, you know, self-harm or, or calling someone derogatory names, that's a problem. Uh, I, as a player, I do not care the context. You say something in chat, I report you for it. I am. I imagine at some point in time, Blizzard might go and like deal with me for issuing all these reports. My hope is is that they wouldn't, because that would say more about how they view that context as being okay when it really shouldn't. Now, the San Francisco Shock, though, getting ahead of this, have done a number of things. One, instead of letting the league do it, which could impact, you know, Violet's participation, let's say in the tournament, uh, they have, you know, essentially said Violet's taking the game off against the Houston Outlaws. So if anything, the fine is probably more punishment to Violet than the actual one-game suspension would happen to be. So I'm curious about the two of you and how you sort of look at this. Is San Francisco getting ahead of this a good thing, or is this a combination of a good thing and something that they were trying to do to mitigate the potential of the league doing something for them that they did not like? 
Uh, obviously, they should have done this uh, because they are his direct employer. And obviously, for, for these guys, when you are playing a game, even if it's like ladder, right, you are already associated with the franchise as you are employed by you know, Blizzard uh, in a way and by San Francisco Shock. So it could not be like a bad thing what they have done. And and I, I don't think they they're too they're in too much trouble as is anyway, right? We're dealing with the shock here, so uh, it might be strategic, might not be strategic. So uh, either way, I'm I'm all in for this, and and definitely I I, I saw the clip, and it it definitely justifies uh, at least the punishment and the fine, like like they said, uh, um, even more so when you are uh, kind of like a a player that you know is is a professional player and should set an example of of you know avoiding uh, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, like to me, when it comes to toxicity and and I'm fairly opinionated about this, like the teams and the orgs that do the best job of of fight the fight against toxicity, their work will never be reported publicly. Why? Because their players won't be in trouble, right? So <laughs> to me, like everything we do from this point on is reactionary. Like whether it's enough of a fine or too much of a fine, I actually don't care about that. But reality is when you have one of the best Overwatch teams in the world, when you have when you have some of the best Overwatch players in the world, right? Like, here's a couple things that are for sure. One is they're all really young. Two is they're gonna have egos because comp- competitiveness comes with egos. So this is this is reality. Like, I'm not talking about Violet specifically. Like all of them, right? Like at some point, you have to have so much confidence in yourself that you're gonna be a full time gamer versus like you know, a pleb like me who has no confidence that they're even going to carry you to the next match. Right. So, so, so confidence is an issue. So, so how we do, how people deal with that as an organization, organization, I think it needs to go deeper than that. We talk a lot about professionalism. We talk a lot about not just taking care of players as like they perform well on, I was going to say on the court, but you know, in, in the rooms or whatever, whatever you want, whatever space, whatever on platform. Stage, yeah. On, yeah. But like, to me, like it, like, and the message that needs to get through from the shock, whoever it is that handles these kind of player personnel things is that this isn't about the shock. This isn't even about, you know, you're, you're, you're screwing up, you know, the team's rep or something like that. Right. Because honestly, your Violet's overwatch career is going to be what? Four years, five years, six years, seven 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 years seems long until the tldr and going to valorant it, yeah it's <laughs> it's it's a short period of time right but from this time what are you going to do after overwatch right like are you going to be known as that guy who just continuously just is is the dennis rodman of of the overwatch league or or you know what whatever your verse like dennis rodman gets paid enough he can continue to be dennis rodman what are you going to do right yeah. so so like to me like the way to nip this not nip this in the bud but i really truly believe teams need to take a much more hardline approach to how mm. players carry themselves away from the stage, right? Be- because it doesn't just impact the teams, which is the more immediate fines and whatever. It impacts their potential career because everything, once things are on the internet, even us as like, you could call us streamers, you could call us podcasters, whatever. If I say some super derogatory thing, we all know that's going to get clipped and my employer is going to see it tomorrow and I'm going to get canceled, Right. So, so it's, it's the same thing to them, right? Just, and the fact that they're playing with so many fans on a regular basis, like they have to be even more careful. So things like media training, things like how to be a better human being training, like to me, that is essential for every org to do. So 
I don't know. Like I sound like maybe I'm coming harsh on, on the shock that this even happened, but like, I think I'm just going to get mad every time some, something like this happens. The, you know, and for those who may not have been following us, you know, for as long as we've been around, uh, you might go and say, oh, well, where were you guys when the Vancouver Titans old roster had issues, whether it be Hoxall or Bumper? Uh, look back to those episodes when when Bumper and Hoxall were both accused of toxicity. The three of us had said that that serves no purpose in the game today. It needs to be dealt with. And I actually had believed, based on my experience with Connect Sports and Entertainment, that the organization did not tolerate that type of thing. Now, it could be knowing what we now know, they weren't completely aware as to what was going on because of the disconnect between sort of the parent organization and sort of the function of the team. But this is an organization that does not tolerate or or accept. And this is, we've seen this on the hockey side. There is a lot of proof in the pudding. Um, you know, Bumper was apologetic as to what he did. Hoxall, not as much. And the problem, though, that I see, and I started looking at that, but I look at sort of what other players do within game. Trash talk, not for me, but I accept that it exists. Toxicity, and I view it as something completely different, is where you use abusive language, derogatory terms. You ask someone to commit self-harm. You know, if, if that's acceptable in the game because it exists, it's the culture, then I'm sorry, then the game itself is not for me. And I don't think that that's the case. Uh, just And again, just because people say it doesn't make it okay. If you are one of our listeners, my hope is that anytime you see that in chat, report. Right, click that name, right click, choose report, provide some reasoning behind it. You may or may not get that thanks for sharing this, we did something message. But the more of us that go and sort of raise those issues up, the more that people see an impact for their words, the better the game will be as a result. Anyhow, uh, one final thing about uh, Overwatch. If you happen to be curious about the future of the game as it exists today, any questions you have about the game and where its journey or possibly the po uh, you know topic of Overwatch 2 when and if it might come out, what the game might look like, the uh, development team for uh, Overwatch is doing an AMA on uh, Overwatch Reddit. So our Overwatch on Thursday, 1.30 p.m. Pacific, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. I'm genuinely curious as to, to sort of what their game plan is. We've talked about this on previous episodes. I had this bet that the uh, game Overwatch 2 would be released come holiday season. Sam, you had said no. Uh, I don't know how I don't win this bet now because we're already talking about the Toronto Defiant, but I guess we could still talk basketball for an episode if I lose. Uh, we'll we don't have know to what, tweak it somehow. We don't know what sort of the state of the game will be like. You know, are, would we get another hero? Might we get another map? Or is what we have what we have until such time as the new engine is released? I mean, there's so many questions and hopefully we'll have answers for you uh, by next episode where we will recap the Battle of Canada, talk a little bit about the impact that the Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant had on the Countdown Cup. Hope is they're both playing into next weekend. It'll make for a much more engaging episode, but regardless of whether or not the Titans or Defiant are, you can be guaranteed we will set you up for both teams moving forward and tell you everything you need to know as the premier source for everything to do with the Vancouver Titans and the Toronto Defiant. 
So this is a jam-packed episode. A whole lot of big news. It is shaking things up. Uh, Defiant Court already hammered uh, things down when I tried to share that this uh, podcast might be something that Defiant fans might have paid attention to. So hopefully, you know, we can you know make up and and hopefully be on their good graces. And then, as far as the Vancouver Titans fans concerned, nothing's changing. We're still going to talk about the Vancouver Titans, and we encourage you to be part of our Discord, remain part of our community. I mean, it is more than teams. It really comes down to the fact that we have formed a phenomenal group uh, of people that uh, chat about a video game that we all, for the most part, have at some point enjoyed playing. Maybe not as much as now, but we talk all sorts of things. Food, weather, like how it's been so hot recently out west here. Oh, they've had some crazy weather out east too. So, you know, weather's trying to get it on this 2020 action. So as we look to wrap the episode up, what final uh, words of wisdom do you gentlemen have? I mean, Omni's down there playing like competitive right now or something. <laughs> I'm just saying the only thing better than a zero three is two zero threes. I'm not sure how that's better, but <laughs> <laughs> it's better content. We're here for the content. It's, it seems worse. Yeah. How about you, Sam? So on August 1st for Canada Cup 3.0, it's going to be 26 degrees in Vancouver and it's going to be 26 degrees in Toronto. Oh, wow. So Synergy. do us all a favor and just play some May. Cool things down. <laughs> Get a little natural AC. Uh, as for me, again, I'm saying the same things I always do. Thank you so much for continuing to tune into our show each and every week, whether it be that you're listening to the traditional podcast or tuning into our live streams uh, to learn tomorrow's news today. Uh, where we go and share the latest and greatest and everything that we could possibly jam into an episode about the Vancouver Titans and now the Toronto Defiant. For those of you who are new to the podcast itself and you want to follow along, I hope that you do click subscribe in whatever podcast application you happen to be listening to us in. Two, I hope that you follow us on Twitter at ReadySetPone. And if you want to, take part in RSP Cord. Our Discord is easily accessible by going to discord.io slash ReadySetPone. And all that information can be found at ReadySetPone.com. One final thing which I'm going to do, as I do with every episode, is remind you, uh, we love reviews, good reviews, bad reviews, mediocre reviews, doesn't matter, they're reviews. And if you happen to leave us a review, as practice has it, we will read said review verbatim, word for word. Save for language that I might go and like beep out because again, I uh, try to keep that clean rating in Apple podcasts, but uh, yeah. So as we wrap this episode up, I want to thank you on behalf of myself, Chris at Life Force, Sam at another Sam Chan on the Omni Strife for tuning into this phenomenal episode where we are Ready, Set, Pwn, a Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant podcast. I'm going to sign this episode off with those magical words. Catchphrase.